Hello and welcome to Parents Just Don't Understand. I'm Kurt Schiller and tonight we're finally talking about one of our most requested shows for the podcast, Thomas the Tank Engine, which is based on the Railway series of books by Reverend Wilbert Audrey, although is perhaps uh, best known in the U.S. Uh, for accompanying the TV show Shining Time Station, uh, most famously with George Carlin, but, but also with a variety of other hosts, all of which I'm sure we will get into later. But uh, tonight we're joined by someone who I would say is uniquely qualified to discuss an often highly dysfunctional and mismanaged mass transit system, uh, Justin Rosniak, better known as Do Not Eat on YouTube. Welcome to the show, Justin. Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk about Thomas the Tank Engine, uh, one of my favorite subjects in terms of children's television, although you know, I don't usually do a lot about children's television so you know it's not a high bar to clear um well i i you know i do appreciate uh your 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 willingness to uh sit down and and watch several episodes of of a purely children's uh show this evening (laughs) i always like to uh start off by asking our guests um where they first encountered the the media up for discussion so um, did, did, was Thomas something that you grew up watching or is it something that, that you kind of encountered as an internet meme later on? I definitely did grow up watching Thomas the Tank Engine. I remember Ringo Starr, George Carlin, you know, doing the narrations on Chatting Time Station. Um, I had, I had, when I was growing up, a full set of the original Railway mm-hmm. Series books with the illustrations and everything. Or it was all in one big volume, which, you know, I read to death, you know, and it, it, the cover fell off eventually, uh, you know, so, I, you know, that was a well-used book. I, I'm very familiar with Thomas the Tank. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was surprised um, when uh, I first reached out to you. I, you, you immediately started unloading, like, uh, a bit of the, I guess you'd call it the, like, meta-history of, of Thomas the Tank Engine and the ways that the series had changed over the years in response to developments in the British railway system. Oh yeah, I mean, there's, there's the, the one of the things about the series is the way the Reverend Audrey wrote it was, you know, is it, it was it started being it started out, you know, kind of like freelance, you know, and then and then he just, you know, gradually since I guess he's got a he's got a, l- a lot of free time. I mean, they only <laughs> they only do services once a week. Uh, he started making it more and more true to life, you know. Yeah, and I, I mean, I was especially impressed at the fact that they uh, changed the character of Sir Topham Hatt from. I, I guess he was he was the fat controller, and then he became the fat director, or is it the other way? around? Other way around. Okay, because he was right when it was a private organization. When when British Rail was was a private organization, I guess before nationalization, he was the director of the company, and then when it was nationalized, he became the controller. Although he did remain a member of the gentry. And so the the class politics of the show are somewhat uh, suspect, I guess. We'll as we'll get into later. I think it'd be interesting if they continued it straight through to the modern day. It'd be like the 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 fat franchise holder, um, <laughs> <laughs> the 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 fat uh, holding company and and possibly private equity backed international company. Yeah, I mean he they they'd be trying to take his uh, franchise away from him for like incompetence because British Rail privatization is a disaster. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, so for our listeners who maybe are not uh, quite as familiar with the economics of the British mass transit rail system, can you give us like like a short, I don't know, like what what has changed since Thomas the Tank Engine uh, was created, I guess? I guess, yeah, a lot of this does have stuff that's direct to do with the, the story. All right, so uh, initially you had lots of little private railways in the United Kingdom, right? They were... Um, you know, they weren't very large. Um, and then there was during World War, sort of World War One era, there was a consolidation act where the government forcibly merged all these railways into four big railways. That was the the LNER, the LMS, the Great Western Railway. Then what was the other one? I I forget. Um, crap. There there were four of them, right? And then eventually. <laughs> Even that proved to be a, a, a bad uh, system, and they were nationalized in 1949, I think, into British Rail. And then that operated through a variety of sort of quasi-public, quasi-private schemes until the 90s. And then we got our current um, disaster show, which is 
one company owns all the tracks, but then the government franchises out services and then different private companies can bid on those services. And then they like lease the, tr they like lease trains that they buy. And then this is like very confusing. I mean, no, no one knows what anyone actually owns. Um, and if you talk to the, the, you know, you talk to the government, it's a rousing success. If you talk to people, they hate it. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, it's very much the story of the dismantling, I guess, or the, the uh, the the mining of this great public resource for private capital, uh, like effectively, is what it sounds like. Oh yeah, it's finding all kinds of exotic ways to uh, squeeze profit out of the system. As bringing it back around to to Thomas the Tank Engine, as Sir Topham Hatt himself seems uh, pretty concentrated on on doing. Um, so for a real quick overview of the series, in case there's anyone listening who somehow is not familiar with at least the very basics of Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh, it takes place on the island of Sodor. Um, it is about a group of different engines, um, principally Thomas, although I, I don't believe that Thomas was actually in the, the first of the Railway Series books. I think he wasn't introduced into the second or third one, but he's definitely like the far and away the most popular character, it seems like now. Yeah, I think they started with Edward. Right. Um, yeah. Who, who really just seems kind of like a lesser Thomas. Like he... Like the characterization of the engines, some of them are pretty clear. I think per Percy and Gordon are um, two ones that people mentioned uh, in particular hating on on Twitter when, when I asked uh, some of my <laughs> followers which their least favorite engine was. Um, Percy, who's who's kind of like um, like a suck up, and uh, Gordon, who's just kind of like a, like a company man, I guess you you might say. Yeah, yeah, he, he's basically management. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, and then you have Thomas, of course, who is the hero uh, and is kind of just like a, a naive, impetuous, childlike uh, tank engine. Um, now, I, I we watched uh, this evening three episodes of the original, uh, the early series, I should say. I think there's, there's 20 seasons or 19 seasons of Thomas the Tank Engine, um, or more specifically, uh, Thomas and Friends, which is the actual name of the show. Um, Tonight, and then we watched one episode of the more recent weird CGI monstrosity, uh, Thomas, which still says based on the books by the Reverend Audrey, but probably should be uh, taken taken off the intro of the show. I was about to say, it has the same characters, you know, it's sort of it's more of a fan fiction than anything. Um, yeah, it's like it's like a very like kid, um, amped up kid entertainment very much in the like it's, it's even even more amped up than something like dora the explorer but we'll we will get to that i'm sure um so you have a, a variety of engines um you have you have uh the so I, th this is where my railway terminology uh fails me can you can you kind of break down like what's what's the difference between thomas and say donald and, and douglas um Okay, so like Thomas is a tank engine, right? Mm -hmm. So he's got a he, rather than having a big tender behind him where you know you store the coal and the water, right? The coal and the water is stored on the locomotive itself. So you know you got like a little coal bunker in back. He's got the big squares on the side. That's where you put the water. Uh, he's 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 the pannier tank, um, you know. So it's the the the, the two tanks on the side mm -hmm. as opposed to like Percy who's a saddle tank because there's a big tank that goes over the boiler um, I'm making hand gestures here and you can't see <laughs> them uh, so you know I, I don't know that this is relevant for the, the, the topic the discussion but you know fun facts here's here's a saddle tank here's a pannier tank <laughs> I mean, it is it, like, it, it is worth pointing out that like clearly at least in the original stories they went to some length to at least try to make it match up with the contemporaneous British rail as it existed at the time, or at least with just slightly earlier, I guess. Yeah. Every, every, uh, locomotive in Thomas and, uh, the Thomas, the tank engine or the railway series, except Edward, I think is directly based off of some actual existing locomotive. Um, like Gordon is a Grizzly a one, I think, um, I don't remember what Henry is. Uh, Donald and Douglas were Caledonian Railways uh, freight locomotives. Um, there's Duck, who is a GWR locomotive and very proud of it. Um, yeah, you know, there's, 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 these are built off of real things. Uh, Which I, I mean, I think 
there's this kind of weird uh, primal fascination that children seem to have with trains and, and large equipment. Um, I think stereotypically people would say boys, but in, in my experience, um, really all children um, are pretty fascinated with just these vast, moving, somewhat dangerous, loud, noisy things. Oh, yeah. I mean, have you seen a train? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, like one, one of the one of the standout memories from my childhood was um, they were running a uh, one of the older like steam locomotives from I think Port Jervis, um, which I think is in New Jersey, uh, to um, I I forget what what the other end of the line was, um, but we got to ride on it and it was like it took like a couple hours. Um, and you know, so I was like sticking my head out of the side of the coach window, getting like coal dust and like, like nice. absolutely pelting you <laughs> and literally like picking it out of my scalp for like days afterwards. So it's, it's definitely like it, train stuff leaves an impression on, on kids for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, you have to be sort of socially conditioned out of liking trains. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's in there and everyone, and then, and then, and then society comes in. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, you know, to get, to get like into the politics of parenting for a moment, I, I think it's a real shame that, you know, I, I think it's, it's a bit better now, but definitely when I was a kid, um, you know, it was primarily a boy thing. And I think it's, it's just because girls were discouraged from being interested in trains and construction equipment. And I, I have, uh, you know, we have two young girls and they're, well, one of them is a bit too young to really know what is going on exactly. But the one who, who isn't, uh, is very fascinated with trains and has ridden trains with me and is like very into watching the other trains go by, listening to the noise. It's shaking back and forth. It's the cool thing. I think it's weird how trains have been, you know, especially like I guess toy trains, uh, model trains have been gendered for so long, uh, especially when there were like, because there, there were efforts by the industry uh, back when, you know, toys trains were still a big thing to try and like, we're going to make a train that appeals to girls, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this is something <laughs> Lionel did, uh, I think back in the late 50s. So they're like, all right, what are girls like? Uh, pink. <laughs> uh, right? So they came out with the Lionel girls train set, right? And it was, um, it was just, you know, a sort of regular Lionel train set. You know, you got the sort of New York Central base steam locomotive. You got a couple freight cars, but they're all painted in these nice, pretty pastel colors. I mean, it would it would be a horror if you know uh, a girl got on on one of the boy trains or vice versa. As you know, ev anyone who's ever commuted by train knows that that's basically how it works now. You know, there's boy trains and girl trains. It's just how it is. Well, they also did that afterwards for some reason. They said now we're going to do a boys' train set, and the locomotive is light blue. Um, <laughs> that one is a collector's item. If you see one, uh, it, it, it's very expensive. It's it's yeah. So I was definitely into model trains as a kid. Um, I get the impression that you were also, um, I mean, can, can you just talk a little bit about your, your history with, with trains and growing up, I guess? Well, the problem with, with, with me and model trains is that, you know, it's very much an expensive hobby and I yes. didn't grow up in a household, which was exactly, well, a extremely wealthy B, uh, you know, large, you know, there's no room for them, no money for them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had some HO scale stuff, but I know where to set it up permanently, which is, uh, uh, always annoying. Um, but you know, I, I like them. I like to be able to get them when I was possible, when it was possible, but you know, it's kind of, mm, you know, the, the stuff was expensive even back then. I mean, now it's like, yeah, I'm going to drop, you know, 900 bucks on a locomotive <laughs> or something like that. But you know, even then, you know, even getting like your basic steam locomotive is like 40, 50 bucks. <laughs> oh, I, I, I thought for a second you were, you were going to tell me how much like an actual steam locomotive, like, like full scale. Costs. Oh no, 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 this is a model. <laughs> no, the real ones are much more expensive. <laughs> Probably at least 120, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we had, we had really one permanent set in my house growing up that was um, my, my father had built when he was a kid and we had a, a handful of cars and uh, a handful of, of engines. I remember we had um, one of those like like dark red uh, GG1s, which I was super into as a kid, but really was very strongly discouraged from touching because it was it was quite heavy. Um, and also, I'm sure even even at the time was quite valuable, but I'm sure it's much more valuable uh, now, I, I would imagine. Yeah, um, yeah. 
apart from the models, did you were, were you a a rail fan as a kid? I guess to use the the British terminology. Uh, yeah, I guess I would I, I would go down to you know the go down to the train tracks, go watch the trains go by. Uh, didn't get a lot of chances to ride the train. Um, you know, except the you know sometimes we take the metro into Washington D.C. But you know, um, I did. You know, I I. I I like watching trains. I like seeing trains. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was, it, it was, a, the only issue is you had to ford a creek in order to get to the train station to watch the trains go oh, by. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. Suburban uh, design is not very good for walking even to the train station. Yeah. No, no, certainly, <laughs> certainly not. Um, but uh, getting back to Thomas, um, I, I mean, as, as a, uh, I guess as something of, the the left's mass transit expert at least on on the youtube podcast set uh do, do you think that you know the island of sodor is a relatively realistic portrayal of a of a mass transit and freight system um i mean if you're running like a really sort of bizarre <laughs> island short line but it's got like I mean, there's a lot of caveats which had to be put in place in order to make this a, a the story work. Like, you know, is that somehow it's separate from British Rail. You know, there's like a big island in the Irish Sea, but it's like close enough to land. There's a little causeway, but, you know, there's no like real like through service, you know. And then, and of course, you know, the other... The other one that people don't notice so often is all the locomotives are alive and can talk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were we were talking a little bit about that while watching the episodes. Um, that it's it's not clear what the what the 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 autonomy of the locomotives I, I guess have. On, on in some episodes, it seems like they can literally just do whatever they want, and in others, it seems like they have some kind of almost. Uh, mech warrior type relationship with the drivers <laughs> where like or or like like a warhammer 40k like machine spirit where the the engines are somewhat alive but need to be guided by by a human hand and without them are, are kind of helpless it's a very inconsistent portrayal of of sentient uh machines i suppose yeah i mean it seems like because you know henry can stop himself in a tunnel but thomas can't get himself started in a shed i i'm very confused by that <laughs> Well, so just to to kind of give an idea of the structure of of Thomas the Tank Engine, each each episode in the older ones is about four minutes long. The newer ones are about seven minutes long. Um, there is a somewhat consistent cast of characters, although the the older ones, um, much more so than the new stuff, kind of is a bit a, is a, a pretty big cast of characters. Whereas in the newer ones, there's really only like four or five consistent ones that show up and everything. And in each episode. There's some kind of an event uh, relating to obviously trains, um, and usually some kind of an emotional message. Like uh, in one of the ones we watched, um, a number of the trains were being stubborn and had to be taught a lesson, quote unquote. Um, or you know, Thomas uh, feels a bit full of himself and winds up getting into trouble by by crashing through someone's house and potentially causing a, a major loss of human life. Although they're really just mad about breakfast being ruined in this, in this, in this version of reality. Yeah, exactly. We gotta, we gotta kind of, you know, this it's for the kids. It's for the kids. <laughs> it's for the kids. Um, in much the same way that Wu-Tang is, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so let's talk a little bit, I guess, about the episodes that, that we watched. Um, like I mentioned, we, we watched uh, three from the original series and then uh, one from the the more more modern era of Thomas. Um, the first one was, is called uh, Trouble in the Shed, and um, I, I don't know. Do you do you want to recap kind of the the events of uh, Trouble in the Shed, Justin? I it's it's I'd say that the recap is fairly simple. Um, Thomas gets promoted. He gets his own branch line, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know who was working that before. I don't know what happened to them. Back to the main line, uh, it, out to the out to the scrappers, I guess, um, and um, so he's not working the yard anymore, assembling all the coaches for you know the big trains like Gordon and Henry pull, right? So you know, uh, Sir Tapham Hat is like, all right, this is a prime. This is a prime opportunity to get some better labor productivity out of these locomotives, <laughs> right? All right, y'all are gonna assemble your own trains. And the tender engines, of course, are very upset about this because shunting is not a tender engine um, 
a, you know, activity. And there's good reasons for that, which is that you can't see over the tender when you're going backwards. Um. <laughs> oh, so that's actually like, like that, that's a specific thing, like getting back to the notion that yeah, this yeah. is somewhat based in reality. There, there's like a very, there's very good safety reasons for, to not do that. But you know, that's not brought up in the show. So uh, in, in more modern terms, it's uh, much like w- one might say, uh, a, a union that is very experienced with the particular role that it knows how to fill and the the safety requirements for it, uh, pushing back against management, trying to wring extra efficiency out of them by kind of suggesting that maybe they just overlook these one or two regulations. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> so, and then I, I believe um, the the so it's it's tenders and then and then what are the other oh after that was that um the fat controller sir Tobin hat got uh edward out from working in the mines or wherever you know where he's been condemned to work for all eternity <laughs> i guess and says all right you're gonna you're gonna shunt some coaches now edward of course also a tender engine but you know apparently uh i guess you can see over the tender um and then you know eventually uh Sir Topham Hat goes to the CIA black site where they have all the locomotives under hoods and he has them pick up one underneath his Percy. He's like, I'll take that one. So now Percy is there and and now he's doing all the work, having been rescued from Guantanamo Bay or whatever. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I mean, so it's, it, it, you know, not to be too blunt about it, but it's it's basically Thomas Percy and what was it, G- Gordon yeah. uh, breaking a strike. Yeah. Effectively over uh, failing to meet safety requirements that presumably were negotiated between Sir Topham Hatt and the engines at, at some point, and for good reason. Yeah, it, it, it seems to have been a—I um, mean, ultimately, they, they brought in Percy in order to do the coach sunning work, so I guess they didn't quite break the strike, but they did— um, they they did put the fear of God into them <laughs> by uh, running all mainline services without them for a day. Um, but I mean, ultimately, they did get a tank engine in to do the tank engine work. I mean, is so you know bringing it back to the real world is is that something is that is that a is that a relatively realistic situation that might apart from the engines being alive and talking you know in in terms of well can't you just use this equipment for this thing that it's not designed to do and say a union refusing to do that? Well, I mean that could absolutely happen in real life. Uh, I mean stuff's less specialized now than it was then. But, you know, it'd be a little unreasonable to take like a big mainline, I don't know, like one of the one of the big Amtrak engines we got here, the ACX, ACS 64s, and have them do like coach shunning, although that's a much more limited task today as well, because, you know, generally speaking, you just keep the, all the cars in one big uh, rake that like you never add or subtract to ever. Um <laughs> What I found especially ominous in in this episode was the way that the the narrator kind of weighs in at the end and is like and you know it it closes with the the other engines kind of looking forlorn, uh, having been replaced effectively, um, and it says like they they got what they deserved effectively. This very kind of dark. Uh, it, it's it's you know George Carlin, so of course the line is well delivered, but still, yeah. still kind of an ominous ending from a from a, a socio political. Uh, Thomas the Tank Engine angle. Yeah, I think I think George Carlin was way into this. Um, you know, like he's 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 handing down like this you know horrific Protestant morality system. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> yeah, it's there's there's a lot there's a lot of punishment in the yeah. early the early Thomas stuff, which I, I think um, you know one of the ones we'll talk about gets uh, pretty pretty dark in in terms of that that kind of um, you know getting what you deserve uh, sort of thing. Um, you, you can definitely get the sense that this was perhaps written by a man of the cloth or a man with strong, um, feelings about what, what people ought to be doing and yes. what ought to happen to them. Ought they not to do that? It's just a little paternalistic. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, moving on, um, to the next episode, uh, which was Thomas comes to breakfast. Um, basically, um, Thomas has been operating his branch line. Now what, what, what is a branch line? So a branch line is like, you know, maybe you have, um, I guess like an American example, like the, um, say the, the train that goes from Princeton Junction to mm-hmm. Princeton, right? That, the dinky. That, the, the dinky, yeah. That's a branch line. That's a very short branch line. But like, you know, you, you, you would, 
you would say this is this is a line that branches off the main line and it goes to some smaller places and you know maybe you, there's no like through train that goes there from a big station but like you know you'd get off at the station and you'd switch trains there to go wherever so thomas has basically been operating this some a, a small side project basically that that operates somewhat independently of the larger railway of sodor yeah he's probably going to make some time connections but otherwise you know that's that's probably you know, he, he can just he can he can just you know screw around. Yeah, right. So it's it's kind of like a sweet deal, basically. Um, so so Thomas uh, is definitely feeling himself um, and uh, bragging about how how experienced he is, how uh, critically he doesn't need the drivers, um, and uh, he decides that the next morning. So uh, every morning. Um, they come out and uh, stoke the stoke the, the the boilers and kind of wake the trains up, which seems to have this um, almost like amphetamine type uh, impact on on the engines, where they're kind of like blissed out as they feel the warmth of of the fires within them being stoked. Well, I mean, it makes sense because you know they need them to like move and stuff. Right. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, they're they're basically being fed for the day. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, effectively, or at least or at least w- woken from their. Uh, met their meditative trances that they enter into apparently um so so as soon as thomas is awake he decides that he can run uh run the route without a driver um and he's able to start without a driver due apparently to the cleaning crew having uh bumped against his his uh equipment his- so someone shoved the throttle and the reverser and turned on all the injectors and you know they they ha- you you need to do a lot to get a steam locomotive uh working and apparently they did all of they that. They did all that. They, they, were, they were cleaning really, really, yeah, released really well. all the brakes. You know, all three braking systems. <laughs> so, so, and this this gets back to what we were saying about how like it's not clear to what extent the engines have autonomy because Thomas can start, but then he can't stop. Yeah, he can't stop. Yeah. And um, he's go- he goes faster and faster until he crashes into uh, the station master's house. Which um, is it? W- w- would it be normal to have residential housing? Um, about five feet after the end of uh, the terminus of, of of a line. I mean, on a legacy system, anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like like in a special uh, vote of confidence for for the station master uh, to be living there, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of times the station master's house is the train station itself. Um, you know, that's why why a lot of SEPTA, the older SEPTA stations, are overbuilt. Um, yeah, so so I live right by uh, a SEPTA station, and it, it has it has a very like beautiful old timey looking station building, which is now a daycare, uh, which ooh. which is actually kind of smart because it's a big commuter um, stop. So I, they they actually a, a pretty smart uh, yeah. strategy from them to be like, oh, like we can. You know, people will drop their day, drop their kids off, and then uh, get right on the train. We we don't happen to use that particular daycare, but it is smart. Um, but I mean, are are there still station masters? Uh, not not in the way they're used to be. Um, maybe for like a really big station, like 30th Street Station. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because it used to be you need someone who was there like most of the time. You know, the, to the point where you know you you'd have an apartment in the station or something like that. Uh, today, you know, trying to reduce staffing, increase labor productivity everywhere. You know, you're, you, instead of that, instead of being a station master, you have a ticket machine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you have a little septic key thing that doesn't work. Oh, we're going to talk about the septic key. There's, there's going to be at least a, a few minutes at the end of this, of just a, a little bit of septic talk as, as a daily septic rider. Uh, I have I, I have feelings, as I'm sure all scepter riders do. Yes. Um, so so Thomas uh, comes to breakfast in a very threatening way by literally crashing through uh, what uh, what you you remarked, Justin, was a very well built house. Apparently, I, I was about to say Thomas, the tank engine probably lay, weighs thirty to forty tons, and he was probably going like twenty five to thirty miles an hour, and that plaster wall stopped him dead. <laughs> That's a very well built house. It's it's I mean it's uh now there there was I believe a a somewhat similar incident in a uh, Philadelphia transit history uh where a locomotive crashed through the side I believe that was in Philadelphia or or was it was that in in uh in New York the, the 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 famous picture of the train kind of hanging out out of the side of the back wall of the station um so that ha- there was one in Paris that's the famous one okay. from like a poster I have that in my bedroom um there, there in Philadelphia, I, I can think of there. There was an incident like that that I know of, which was at the old um, 
Frankfurt Grocery Distribution Warehouse, which is uh, way up on Frankfurt Avenue, and that accepted freight cars in the second floor. And some kids uh, decided to release a handbrake about a mile up the line at the Sears Warehouse. They released the handbrake on a boxcar, and that cruised down the line unattended for about a mile. And then it went into the second floor of the warehouse, and then it punched out the other side and fell on the street. There's pictures of it. I'm going to have a picture of that in a podcast coming up soon. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, obviously, uh, a, a small residential dwelling uh, stopping a, um, a a locomotive at speed is somewhat unrealistic. But this, I mean, it, it doesn't take much, it seems like, for a railway to go horribly, horribly wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's a hundred million ways to screw up. But, I mean, that's, that's you know... Uh, Usually on a railway, you don't screw up as opposed to like on the road where we just accept a lot of screw ups constantly. <laughs> I, I think that's one funny thing to mention about, about Thomas the Tank Engine is that it seems like something goes drastically wrong in almost every single episode. Well, I mean, they got to, you know, sell, um, they got to sell episodes. <laughs> <laughs> They're never going to make an episode about the day where nothing happened. It was just completely normal. <laughs> there, there must be at least one like clip show, Thomas, where it's like, remember that time that uh, that that this happened? As they're all, I don't know, snowed in or something. I know they like go and they'll they'll like go and like here's an episode where we just explain all the surface patterns on the island of Sodor. And there's like there there definitely be like a couple kids who'd be like way into that, <laughs> but it would, it would turn off a majority of the audience. <laughs> So, um, you know, needless to say, Thomas is is pulled back out of the house. Um, re, I, what, is there a specific term for getting a locomotive back on the tracks? Uh, re-railing. Re-railing. And I, I mean, I, I presume that that has to happen with some regularity, though usually not from a, a disaster. Uh, oh, yeah. They, they, the freight railroads derail stuff constantly. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's to the point where it's, it's not even like... You know, a minor derailment's never going to make the news. I remember going down the Schuylkill River Trail, and uh, I was I was riding my bike, and I noted I looked to my I looked I looked over towards the city, and I looked at the CSX tracks, and I realized, wow, there's a train on the ground there. That is not on the tracks. <laughs> I mean, so like we we just mentioned that you know Thomas in reality would weigh probably thirty or forty tons. Like, how do you get a train back on the tracks? Um, so if you're lucky, you can deal with some wooden blocks and some well applied leverage, and a locomotive pulling you. Uh, if you're unlucky, you do in fact need a crane. Um, <laughs> and is that I mean, is it, are those like like a crane on rails, or is it something that has to be like like a, like assembled on site? Uh, it'd probably be either a crane on rails. It used to be you know you have the big hook. Mm-hmm. You know, which is like a big crane on a flat car they would mm-hmm. bring out to clear up wrecks. Today, I imagine it's something that goes on the road. Um, you know, there's like weird sort of tracked like derrick things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they still use those. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I mean, is you know what what would the uh, what would the takeaway be from from this episode which you know does eventually get back to normal um thomas is kind of scolded but seems to have learned his lesson um how how would they prevent this in the future i don't understand what thomas did wrong he did nothing wrong some cleaning people like messed with the controls right and and like he 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 just flew away because they had done so much work to screw up that badly <laughs> and, and they're going to take out all the all, all you know the, the cleaning people should they should they, they should be told very clearly do, do not touch the controls while the locomotive is fired up as opposed to saying thomas you had too much hubris <laughs> this is why the cleaning crew screwed up <laughs> you know it's it's funny though because um i, I actually feel like this episode <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really hard to play this straight. I gotta tell you, um, I, I I actually feel like this episode for like from a parent's perspective, as you know, despite the fact that it makes no sense within the story, yeah. has probably the most applicable and like um, tolerable message. Like like the, the the first one is basically like don't be stubborn or your friends will undercut you. Um, and the the boss will punish you, which I and I, I don't you know particularly care for that message uh, as, as someone of you know our particular political persuasion. Yeah. Um, and then you know the subsequent ones that we'll be talking about just are just kind of again don't be stubborn or else. 
Um, this one is kind of like, you know, be safe, take it easy, you know, make sure you know what, what you're getting into if you are, uh, you know, a self-aware talking train. Yes. Which like, you know, as a parent, I, you know, I can't find any, uh, any fault with that, with that logic. Uh, so the last of the the classic Thomases is probably the one that um, was was heavily memed um, yes. in the past few years, and that is uh, in in the UK it was called um, the Sad Tale of Henry, uh, and in the US they gave it a, a somewhat more friendly, um, like less of a downer uh, name. But um, do you do you want to try to uh, recap this this? Famous episode of Thomas the Tank Engine? Well, Henry had previously slighted the Fat Controller, and, you know, owing to what, what the Fat Controller did is he said, I, I want to invite you into my tunnel for a <laughs> fine cask of Amontillado. <laughs> <laughs> no, so Henry goes in the tunnel, and, like, Ringo Starr is, like, doing a rhyme at the beginning, and Henry goes in the tunnel, but it's, like, raining, and, and he's like, I don't want to go out in the rain. It's going to spoil my pain. It's like... <laughs> You know, this is like this is like a locomotive, right? You know, that, that paint is not exactly like that. That paint is like incredibly like sturdy, like lead paint. Yeah. Right. You know, the rain's not going to do anything to it. But Henry's paranoid, of course. So he decides I'm going to stay in the tunnel. Um, I'm just not going to I'm not going to I'm not moving from this, which is a complete contrast from Thomas in the previous episode, who appears to have no autonomy. Henry can at least apply his own brakes. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, talking about, you know, w what is the sin of Henry? Um, maybe it's not being stubborn. Maybe it's being too fancy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. This is another, this is another, um, another locomotive done in by his own hubris. <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, they, they try and get the passengers out of the train. They try and pull it. The fat controller, whose doctor ordered him not to pull. I loved that. Yeah. I loved that. That I mean, you know, talk about like a rare moment of good politics in a show that is largely about you know yeah. the the exploitation of of autonomous machines. Um, is like the landed presumably landed gentry uh, boss saying, you know, everyone else needs to go push this train, and m multiple times says like, I I can't do it. I'd love to. I'd love to help. But uh, I need you to all get out and push, please. I wonder if he actually is landed gentry. Because we did an episode today on, well, there's your problem, where, not today, a few days ago, I was finishing editing it today, where we talked about, like, how um, the labor government at the time of, uh, you know, the nationalization of various British industries, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the people who were in charge of these nationalized industries would get titles and nobility just by default. <laughs> Was it as as like a buy off, or was it just like it just kind of happened? It was like a buy off. It was like uh, well, the, the the people who the people who headed well, the people who were appointed by the government to head it. So we were talking about the National Coal Board, and that was Lord Robbins, and he was uh, he was he was given a lordship as part of being in charge of the National Coal Board. So it may be similar for Sir Topham Hatt. Uh, so were those were those um, lifetime peerages or were they, like, uh, yes. were they were they transferable or uh, it was a lifetime peerage okay yeah and so yeah they, the pulling doesn't work they try pushing again Sir Tobin Hap said his his doctor ordered him not to push <laughs> and that doesn't work they get Thomas out he does a bunch of really serious wheel slip and I'm sure damages the rails can't move uh, Henry so you know it's like okay nothing else we can do. We're going to break up the tunnel. And they do that. <laughs> you know, which is like, all right, you're taking a three-track main line down to two tracks because you can't, you can't like, have someone go in and, like, pull the lever in Henry's cab, <laughs> which releases the brakes. I mean, you know, this seems, this seems like something which could have been solved much more easily uh, than... But it seems, it seems like the point is not just, is not to solve the problem. It seems like the point... Is to put Henry back in his place. Oh yeah, this is entirely punitive. This this is uh, this is punitive justice at its finest. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if you if you caught this, but when when they're bricking up the tunnel, they only build it up to the level of his eyes so that he can look out. Oh yeah, he can look out. Yeah, and he's his fire's gone out, so he can't like whistle. Like all that musty tunnel air is like like ruined his paint anyway. Like you know, he's he's, he's gotten his comeuppance for like his his his. His 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 vanity and his you know <laughs> like like this is 
it's a deadly sin. <laughs> Fallen like Narcissus. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. The Henry, the, the the modern mechanical Narcissus. And, and and then it's like what it ends, and it's like um, yes, yeah. Like Ringo Starr is like, I think he got what he deserved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I think he got what he deserved. I'm a beetle. <laughs> so let's 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 talk about uh, Mr. Starr um, because uh, he was he was the original uh, narrator. Um, and then uh, George Carlin um, did a number of seasons, and then I believe the the I'm not sure if it started with the the movie or or when exactly they started doing this, but uh, Alec Baldwin um, has done a bit of narration and has been Mr. Conductor uh, a bit. And so, so the Mr. Conductor thing we we should mention that when uh, Thomas the Tank Engine was shown in the U.S. Um, like. Like all things, it seems that they bring over from the UK to the US, they decide that Americans are are not clever enough or patient enough to just appreciate them as is. So they kind of wrap it in this live action uh, children's show um, called Shining Time Station, which is probably how most Americans originally um, encountered it. Although now, if you look, uh, I, I couldn't find Shining Time Station anywhere. I could only find just the Thomas short. So it seems like it's been memory hold. Yeah, I was about to say, I... I, I... I I don't remember uh, Alec Baldwin in Shining Time Station. I do remember uh, George Carlin. Um, it it I I didn't realize it been completely memory hold because I I don't even remember what was in the show other than uh, George Carlin was very small. Yes, yeah, he was, he was some kind of like I I, I mean maybe in the way of. Uh, you know, like a folk song, he is the spirit of the rails in some way. I, I, I don't know. That, that might be it. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he was he was a small um, he was a small person. These children would show up at the train station, and then he would kind of, um, in a very like you know late eighties, early nineties um, visual effects way, get get large, um, and then would basically be telling the story of Thomas to the kids. But uh, yeah, it's I, I mean I. I I would love to go back and watch some of them, but I have a strong suspicion that the Shining Time Station parts probably don't really hold up because I I don't I don't remember really them at all. They probably just don't exist anymore. They they've gone away like the, all those Doctor Who episodes. Yeah, <laughs> they were just recorded over. Yeah, they just got recorded over. Yeah. Um. So so Alec Baldwin definitely was not uh, a a live action Mister Conductor. I believe he just took over for like the narration of kind of having. I, I wouldn't even say he has like a particularly similar voice, um, but I, I, I guess they just needed someone who had kind of a an, an authoritative voice to talk about the trains. I guess. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Uh, Col- do you do you have any uh, kind of closing thoughts on the the classic uh, Thomas uh, before we talk about the the newer runs of of Thomas and Friends? I just say I, what I would mostly say is they are classic. Um, they they are definitely they 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 are exactly as I remember them. Um. <laughs> how, how so? Um, again, we we sat down and watched a few of them tonight. How how long had it been since you actually watched an episode of of, uh, of Thomas? Oh my God! It probably uh, uh, how old am I? Oh boy! Uh, I'd say at least fifteen, sixteen years. All right. You know, before I sat down and watched the whole one, I mean, you know, I watched the Thomas the Tank Engine crash compilation yes. all the time. <laughs> but, you know, um, certainly like a whole episode, I, I do not, I, I have no idea, but it has been at least that. Probably back when Shining Time Station was still yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, you know, as a kid, I, I was definitely watched a lot of Shining Time Station. I definitely watched a lot of Thomas. I was not a, a particularly big fan of it as a kid. Um, which is weird because I, I was very, very into trains. I'm not sure if it just wasn't on or just wasn't around or, or what the deal was exactly. Um, but it was definitely one of those shows that I wanted to show to our kids once they started uh, once they started consuming media. Um, and uh, it didn't it didn't really uh, strike a chord with them interestingly. like we, we watched a few of them. Um, and I think there's something about the style of older, 
live action children's stuff like that 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 kids today find somewhat off-putting having been raised on the kind of like hyper frenetic cgi stuff bouncing all over the place of the the modern era yeah it uh it do you know they, they don't want thomas they want chuggington yes uh, <laughs> yes and which i've never seen <laughs> i i have um watched a little bit of it and it just uh, it's honestly just one more flash of light in the blur of you know forgettable children's yeah. uh, media, it's it's not particularly memorable. But I would say Thomas is, um, in terms of like what you can learn from the classic uh, Thomas stuff, I, I, like it's, I I think there is value in uh, showing kids slightly weird stuff that is different from what they are used to because you know part of the premise of this podcast is like. Hey, some some of these old kids shows are actually had a lot more going on than what you realize as a kid, but in some way maybe they kind of like incept these concepts into your into your brain. Like 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 you mentioned, uh, the sad tale of Henry is is the cask of, of Amontillado yeah. effectively. Like it's basically the same story except, um, yes, Sir, Sir, Sir Topham Hat does not does not lure Henry into the tunnel. Apart from that, yeah. basically the same conclusion. Well, he did tell him to go in the tunnel. Though. He did tell him to go in yeah, the tunnel. You know, yeah. that's 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 part of his job. He was, he was going <laughs> through the tunnel anyway. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like from although what I would say is because at least in the classic uh, Thomas, all of the characters are. I, I mean, I, I guess you could say they're. I, I guess they refer to them as male for the most part. Yeah. Um. I think that the the carriage cars maybe are are female. Uh, what, what are they? They're Anne and Clarabelle are the yes. two uh, two coaches. Yeah, yes. that sounds female to me. Yeah, yeah. So there is some dubious gender politics, uh, I would say. But on the whole, because they are talking trains, um, there's there's not a whole lot that of which it can run afoul. I, I would say from like a modern parenting perspective, compared to you know some of the other older you know i've i've complained about uh, peter pan for instance just filled with racism just bountiful <laughs> racism um and at least in the classic thomas there's not really even the opportunity for that yeah i was about to say there's no uh there's there's no one trying to get the uh the the the, the green locomotives out <laughs> yeah exactly yeah um which uh brings us to the uh the, the modern uh thomas that we oh watched, boy which uh <laughs> yeah it's uh it was really something Oh god! All right, so this this one was weird. It's like Thomas and the world, something, something. Like Thomas goes around the world. I think it was like Thomas and friends world adventures or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So uh, th- this one, Thomas is go like I- I'm a tank engine. I like to race, which I guess technically okay. You know, tank engines are built for rapid acceleration. At least they're suburban tank engines, or at least a lot of tracted effort. Anyway, so Thomas is like going to China, right? And and. And one one of the one of the things which I found interesting about um, this episode is, of course, all the locomotives Thomas meets are you know products of uh, the Great Leap Forward. Um, you know, and, and you've got so you know Thomas is like you know he's talking to like this other locomotive, which is big um, China Railways RM class, I, I, which um, the I, I believe the the I don't know what the Chinese word for it, but it translates to people. Mm-hmm. You know, and then um, he's um, he's going around to uh, he, for whatever reason, he gets in a race with another tank engine. Well, the Chinese so, one. So, yeah. So um, Thomas is insisting that he is the number one engine um, because he has a one on the side of his uh, body. Oh, that's it. Case closed. Yeah. And, but <laughs> but the Chinese engine um, also has a one on the side of her body. Uh, but it is the the Chinese character uh, for one, which they do helpfully show you yes. how to draw. So there is there was like a bit of educational uh, content in it. Um, I, I have to say, when I saw that the name of the episode was Number One Engine, um, there is so um, I, I mentioned this while we were watching, and you weren't familiar with it. There is a very old, very racist uh, black and white um, detective TV series called uh charlie chan um and it was a uh, a white guy in yellow face as like i believe they built him as the great chinese detective um and he would he had uh, a son who helped him solve mysteries who he would always refer to as number one son except uh. in a very racist 
uh, accent, which I will not reproduce here. So when I saw that, I was momentarily horrified that um, they were going to do like a literally 80 year old like racist uh, genre fiction joke. They didn't. I, I think it was just a coincidence, but my my body like like tensed up in in the presence of like spider sense racism. Um, but yeah, yeah, so so they race. So they race. Yeah, I thought the accents in in, in this episode were a little overdone though. Yeah, I will say that. Um, and then Thomas takes a detour through scenic wherever. There's a long commercial. Um, you know, the moral is uh, at the end of the day, since Thomas gets stuck, uh, you know, we, we shouldn't race. We can all work together uh, under the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, so <laughs> we all yeah. work together yeah. uh, with our, uh, our our backyard forges. Yes. Um, Uphold to, Xi Jinping thought. Yes. To to uh, uh, to produce the metal to build uh, more number one engines. Yeah, exactly. And that that tank locomotive class that the Chinese locomotive was, I believe, is called construction worker. (laughs) All these all these very flowery Maoist names to these locomotives. (laughs) I thought for sure the first one was a QJ, which was briefly titled the anti-imperialist class. (laughs) (laughs) So I I mean, I I have to say, I'm like, as much as I disliked this, which I'll get to. Um, I, I have to say I was impressed when you were pointing out that like they actually were using like largely period and geographically appropriate engines um, for to to show like other rail services around the world. I mean, it's been kind of I, when this series came out, I sort of saw it from like a distance and I, I noted that, you know, some people are getting mad that Thomas the Tank Engine was getting multicultural or something like that. Right. And it's kind of like, all right. Listen, first off, all the African engines in the series were made in Britain. Uh, <laughs> like, like, you can't get that mad. So um, there was a whole thing. Uh, there, there was actually a thing where apparently the NRA um, got mad at the multiculturalism of uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. Thomas the, uh, the, the, the NRA. Yes, the NRA, apparently. I, I, don't, I don't know why. Um, well, I could always bring in Gustav the Railway Gun. <laughs> yeah, not um, an, an, an unexplored uh, aspect. There, there, there I, I do not believe there is any Thomas goes to war uh, shorts. Yeah, which actually kind of surprises me, considering when it was made. Yeah, I was about to say. I mean, you, you have a wartime uh, railroad thing. Have, have a German engine like try and invade. I, I have found the synopsis of when people got mad at uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. Um, so there were uh, two new characters introduced in um, re- recently, actually in 2018, um, and they were uh, a a a white train uh, who's who's a female identifying train uh, named Rebecca. Right. So literally Becky, um, not not a joke. Uh, and then there is um, there was a a female uh, Kenyan train named Nia, which is a, a Swahili word. Um, and uh, yes, uh, apparently a bunch of people were uh, really mad about that um, and saying things like, well done, SJWs. You finally managed to infest Thomas and friends with your forced diversity. Um, they're trains. They're trains, yeah. They're, they're trains. They're, yes. <laughs> so, they're trains. Uh, it that Rebecca is some kind of streamlined locomotive. Uh, that's, uh, ooh, what, what do we got here? Oh, unrebuilt West Country slash Battle of Britain class. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and what's the other one? The other one's the African one, right? Yeah. NIA. Yes. NIA. Kenyan tank engine befriended by Thomas. Uh, oh, that's, uh. East African East well no not the Ken from the Kenya Uganda railway huh interesting i know this is um it doesn't say where it was built it definitely looks very british though <laughs> i i believe oh, vulcan foundry okay <laughs> is that is that is that is that another british manufacturer yeah the vulcan foundry was i i don't know much about it it was in Newton Le Willows in Merseyside, huh? So, so again, <laughs> you know, basically, still, you know, within the 
within the reality of Thomas the Tank Engine, at least to the extent that it overlaps with our own, uh, basically a, a British locomotive. Yeah. Um, but again, the these product are, of colonialism. Yes, these are trains. We should be being mad about the colonialism, not um, the diversity. <laughs> so so I, I did find um, the the, uh, the NRA's reaction. So they, they had this thing called, called NRA TV for a while. Right. Um, and uh, this was one of the things that they complained about. And they produced a graphic, um, which I will now show to you, huh. of uh, trains wearing um, white hoods. Well, that would blow off pretty quickly because of the smoke. <laughs> I mean, it's very difficult for Thomas the Tank Engine to be in the Klan as a result. Now bringing gender and ethnic diversity. Uh, well, that's what the Klan is really known for, yeah. right? You know, is they, they, they love bringing gender and ethnic diversity everywhere they go. Uh, so, I mean, like, like all, all, all irony aside, um, I, I have to... Uh, to be perfectly honest, you know, in my like sincere parent brain way, I have to say um, I I do like better representation in children's programming. Um, we've talked about this all, uh, pretty extensively on the show because I think that you know whether they be people or trains, I, you know, they're they're trains that are read as as people. Obviously, um, kids are forming their perception of what the world is, what normal is, by watching stuff in a way that adults aren't. Um, and so, like, you know, good good job them for not just having a bunch of, like, you know, white male British trains, yeah. basically. <laughs> um, trains, yes. Yeah. Uh, but I have to say that is where my praise um, for the new Thomas uh, stops because it's, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I would say, you know, if I was going to praise it for anything, I would say good, good on you for bringing the children to the world. Uh, you know, visible uh, signs of, you know, the the progress of China under the Great Leap Forward. Um, <laughs> I, it wasn't all just beating up sparrows. <laughs> I mean, like, so... <laughs> so, my, my beef with this series is um, it's taken something that's a relatively calm children's show, which is rare. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you. Um, and has amped it up and turned it up to 11. Like, in the beginning, like, Thomas is doing, like, Fast and the Furious, like, slow-mo pan around. Um, is oh, it, God, is, yeah. Is they they do the stunt. Jump? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Usually, if you're getting airtime in the train, something's very wrong. <laughs> uh, what, and then, 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 then like, uh, he... he he, he he there's like a sequence where he like jumps a bascule bridge <laughs> right like he's in the blues brothers uh, uh, he, he he does not however do uh multi-rail drifting which which i was about to say yeah well i noticed that i i don't think i don't think he's capable of multi-track drifting <laughs> just being a single coupled uh locomotive like that but you know uh, uh technical uh limitations aside i'm sure the animation team could have done it if they wanted to but like there was just a lot of stunts at the beginning of the film and then stunts in general through the through the episode and and i was like i i guess it adds visual interest i don't know like uh, yeah there's there's a lot of i, I mean like, like as a parent i i kind of don't want visual interest yeah like kids are pretty interested in tv even if it's boring um like kids have liked tv uh, when there really wasn't anything going on on TV. Like, if you watch old TV with your kids, um, if they have been at all exposed to the modern world, um, they'll probably find it very boring. But the kids at the time did not. Um, it's really just a, a question of, like, kids kind of, um, like, calibrate to the level of excitation that you show them in a lot of ways, I think. And um, this is a very much higher degree of excitation than the the classic uh, Thomases. Yeah, exactly. It's like there's always something going on. I mean, it, it reminds me of like, I don't know, even sometimes like I go back and look at like SpongeBob or something, right? Yes. Like the newer SpongeBobs. And I was like, this this is much faster paced than I was used to in the good old days of SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know. And, as, and this is just like gone to 11. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I, I feel like it's lost everything that was charming about the old stuff like it's not yeah. really a story about you know a railway anymore thomas may as well t i mean t thomas, thomas isn't anything he's embarked he's on his solo career yes yeah exactly this is the artist formerly known or the tank engine formerly known <laughs> as Tom thomas <laughs> well um that's really all that i have to say about uh about the the, the new thomas um 
I wanted to, uh, since, since we are, uh, both Philly people, um, I would be remiss if I did not, uh, at least a little bit, um, complain about, about SEPTA and what's been going on with, with SEPTA for, I guess, having listened to, um, a very good episode of, uh, your podcast recently, all about kind of the degeneration of SEPTA, um, since the early seventies. Um, what what is what is the deal with uh, SEPTA recently? I, I I know you were you were kind of concerned about some some changes at uh, Suburban Station recently. It's it sounded like. Well, I mean, in terms of regional rail is where the most visible changes are going on right now, which is you know fare gates everywhere. Um, you know they're they're, they're going to start letting you use Travel Wallet for regional rail. I think uh, in March. I think they finally put a deadline on that, and that's when all those uh, turnstiles are going to be active, and then we're going to have to pretend we're taking the subway when we take regional rail, um, you know, which is not a not not a not a great way to do fare collection, you know, since it's tap in at the station, but then turnstile in Center City, um, you know, we, we've invented practices for this in Europe for uh, since you know the nineteen seventies. Um, it's called proof of payment. You know, you just have you just buy your ticket and sometimes you get a fair inspection. Um. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be clear, um, for the past, I don't know, th- two years, three years, um, their, their system has literally been, it's, it's, it's gradually gotten away from this, but um, when they first put in the, the new turnstiles, they literally just had like 10 to 12 people standing there that you had to show your, your, your magnetic striped uh, pass to, and they kind of went, okay, looks like a pass. I don't know anything about it. It looks like the right color and, uh, and, and logo. Um, and then they would check it again on, on the train. Oh God, that, that sounds bad. I mean, I have actually never ridden like regional rail in the rush hour peak direction. So I've been completely immune to this. <laughs> you can, and, and please don't come after me, Septa. Um, I have gotten, I have gotten away quite often with, uh, free rides, um, and I honestly, like part of the thing of the automated system is, you know, the conductors are pretty nice. If you go like, oh, I screwed up, um, you know, if they recognize you and they're like, yeah, you always have a pass They're like, they'll let you slide and get into oh, the yeah. city and buy your pass automated system, you know, not, not going to be that way. This is true. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, um, like the, the way the system is, is, is just being set up like so slowly is part of the problem, I think too. But I mean, having to like slide into the city to get your pass won't be a big deal if you can use travel wallet as opposed to like only being able to use passes. I mean, this is, this is a whole big like mess. Um, I've, I've just been, part of a founding of an organization, the uh, Philly Transit Riders Union, which we're, you know, hopefully looking to bring riders' concerns more directly to SEPTA administration than they currently uh, are being done so. I mean, this is in the early stages of building the organization. I think we're having the first uh, first public meeting later this month. I don't remember exactly when. Is that, uh, is that, is that exclusive to the city or, 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 uh, suburb swines such as myself? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Suburb, anyone can join. And any, as long as you're not set to management, I think you can join. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, uh, closing thoughts on, uh, Thomas the Tank Engine as a whole. Well, I, I think this, uh, you know, it very much fits in my, uh, uh worldview, which is that the old things were better than the new ones. <laughs> um, you know, that, that, that new episode was just very confusing to me. I, I was, I, I don't have a short enough attention span for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, yeah, it's it's meant to be put on in the background and hopefully distract your kids so that you can, you know, play with your phone for 20 minutes. It seems to be the design of a lot of modern uh, modern kids shows. I, I will say that, you know, after the point where we stopped watching, they do kind of have a part where uh, Thomas creepily breaks the fourth wall and, like, talks to the kids through the TV. Um, and uh, uh, so there is, like, a more, more explicit educational component, but... Um, I, I feel like for the for the age group that's going to be watching Thomas, it's it's kind of overkill. Like you'll you'll learn things about the world just by consuming the media. You don't necessarily need to be like sat down and have a monster faced uh, sentient train, you know, tell you <laughs> things. Um, 
mean, it feels like only a couple steps up from like creepy children's YouTube. That's the yeah, thing. it is. Yes, yeah. definitely. <laughs> yes, it has it has that that uh, mass produced uh, as cheaply as possible shot yeah. to it as well. I mean, I mean, like you 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 even pointed out that despite the fact that they went to the effort to make an appropriately uh, Chinese engine playing the the characters of the Chinese trains. It's funny that I said the engine was playing the characters as if yeah. it's an actor. Um, that the 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 stock like the carriages were were still the like the British style ones. Yeah, they just like reskin them. It's like you know they 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 you could see where the effort was put in and where it wasn't. Well, so you know, in in closing, um, old Thomas good, new Thomas eh, do better. Not so bad. Not so good. Not so good. <laughs> Not so good. Um, well, uh, Justin, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Where can people find you out there on the internet? Um, I'm on Twitter as do not eat one. Because someone already took Do Not Eat as a Twitter handle. <laughs> and that's, you know, that. but that account just retweets pictures of silica gel packets, so I can't even get mad about that. <laughs> um, I'm on the YouTube uh, as Do Not Eat. I have videos where I talk about urban planning uh, through the medium of City Skylines, which is a city-building video game. Um, and then, of course, I have my new project, which is my podcast, Well, There's Your Problem which is hosted with myself, my roommate Liam Anderson, and our friend uh, Alice Caldwell-Kelly from Glasgow. And we talk about engineering disasters and um, all kinds of, uh, you know, the political ramifications of those, you know, from a general left-wing perspective. And of course, you know, if, 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 you're, if you're a parent and you're listening to this podcast, uh, you'll love the episode that's coming out uh, this week, which is on the Aberfan disaster, where uh, a coal uh, spoil tip collapsed onto a school um <laughs> oh boy yeah yeah that sounds like very uplifting content oh boy <laughs> <laughs> well I, I i will say that um if you're looking for a somewhat more uplifting uh or at least neutral episode of uh, of the podcast especially if you're in the philly area uh in, in the septa one i believe only one person dies yes <laughs> Um, well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, uh, Justin. It has been a blast. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening to Parents Just Don't Understand. Cheers. Cheers. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all shooting some b-ball outside of the school. When I-